Welcome to the Bulgarian History Podcast, to a very special episode of the podcast. Now, as some of you may know, the origins of this podcast are closely tied in with my time as a student and then a researcher in Bulgaria. And so today, you know, I'm on the board of Fulbright Bulgaria, and between that work and this podcast, a lot of what I do is trying to build a stronger understanding between the U.S. and Bulgaria. And with this in mind, today we have a very special episode to discuss the first hundred years or so of the U.S.-Bulgarian relationship. And, well, as what, looking at kind of what that relationship looks like today, and to do that, I have a very special guest. So we're fortunate today to be joined by the current U.S. ambassador to Bulgaria, Hero Mustafa. Ambassador Mustafa is a career foreign service officer whose past overseas assignments include Portugal, Iraq, Lebanon, and Greece. She's also served in a variety of capacities in Washington, D.C., including the National Security Council and the Office of the Vice President. She has been a U.S. ambassador to Bulgaria since 2019, and I'm glad to have her with us today. So thank you for joining us, Ambassador. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to join you today to talk about the nearly 200-year-old relationship the United States has had with the people of Bulgaria. But I also want to say, Eric, thank you for being an ambassador of this bilateral relationship with your nine years here in Bulgaria. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. So yeah, before we delve into that history of that relationship, I guess, uh, Ambassador, could you briefly talk about the role of the U.S. Embassy and kind of give us some context for, for yourself and what you all do here? First, let me give you the diplomat answer. The role of the United States mission to Bulgaria is to strengthen the partnership between our two countries. And we focus our efforts in three priority areas. The first, enhancing our mutual security, as well as regional and international stability. This is so important. Second, working to increase bilateral trade and investment, because that promotes stable growth in both of our economies. And third, expanding good governance and strengthening the rule of law, because when you have a thriving democracy, that is when countries flourish. So that's the diplomat answer, but now let me give you what that means in reality. We work to constantly expand how we do things together how we tackle problems, economic, defense, governance, most recently medical, how we tackle these problems together. We promote cooperation at all levels and not just between our two governments, but our peoples as well. U.S. experts, Bulgarian experts, putting their heads together to solve the problems that confront not only Bulgaria and the United States, but the world writ large. And this is why our motto is, we are stronger together. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a message uh, I relate to as being on the Fulbright board. I mean, so much of that sounds like the kind of stuff we try to do as well. So, so much of diplomacy is about making personal connections between two countries, obviously. Uh, so the early U.S.-Bulgarian relationship was actually really built on personal connections. So again, as an alumnus of the Fulbright program and to an extent the American University in Bulgaria where I spend a year, I can also really attest to the power of those kinds of personal connections. So for example, I know many listeners to this podcast also use it as a way to develop stronger connections to Bulgaria, especially Bulgarians in the diaspora 
and a lot of their friends, family, and partners. While we're actively making those connections a priority today, I think it's really important to realize that this has actually been going on since the first American citizens visited the region in the 19th century. So the relationship between our peoples is longstanding and I think deeper than many people may be aware of. In fact, it started decades before Bulgaria's formal independence. And I think that's a good tie-in to why we're having this discussion. Now, as our listeners know, this is a podcast about Bulgarian history, and we've just started talking about that relationship a bit in the podcast, especially the 1876 visit of Eugene Schuyler, the American Consul General in Constantinople, to investigate the situation in the region following the April Uprising. And this is kind of a case where that early American connection really made a substantial impact. You're right, Eric, that was the first formal visit by an American diplomat to the region. But I would say that the story begins decades earlier with some of those people-to-people -people connections that we've been talking about. Some of these early citizen-diplomat relationships center on the American missionary work to the region. In the 1830s, American missionaries helped translate the New Testament into modern Bulgarian and later helped publish the first Bulgarian language primer for the study of the language by English speakers. And I know you know this, in 1860, American Protestant missionaries founded the precursor to the American College of Sophia. So as you see, that relationship predates Eugene Schuyler's visit and is part of the early history of our republic. Yeah, and so much of that early contact was related to the education and promotion of the exchange of ideas, as well as overcoming language barriers, which I certainly appreciate having done those things myself. So from the publishing of the first ever Bulgarian language copy of Benjamin Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac in 1837, all the way to the first Bulgarian English dictionary in 1860, that early people-to-people -people relationship was really focused on intellectual exchange, which makes sense. I mean, these countries are far away from each other. You know, economic ties would have been difficult in the, the 19th century like that, but that intellectual exchange was really happening. And that, that ties into something I find remarkable about this period of Bulgarian history, this kind of grassroots movement of Bulgarians to pursue education both at home and abroad. I agree with you. And I think these early travelers to Bulgaria played an important role in making each of our societies aware of the other. And I think it sparked a curiosity about learning more about each other. This is why I am so fascinated with Bulgarian culture and history and the society. And it's that kind of connection that we see continuing today. In fact, just a few weeks ago, our government signed an agreement for cooperation in the areas of science and technology. And this is an expansion of an existing agreement that has led to extensive scientific collaboration between American and Bulgarian scientists. And I think this can be seen as the intellectual descendant of these early efforts made 150 years ago. And at the embassy, we're still working hard on those people-to-people -people connections because it is so important. It truly is the foundation in this relationship. So just as an example, as of 2021, 
there are more than 3,000 Bulgarian alumni of U.S. government-funded exchange programs. 3,000. And a lot of them are good friends of mine, and they're doing amazing <laughs> stuff back here. So I can say, you know, it's definitely gotten a lot easier from the 19th century to do those kinds of programs. I mean, back then, towns and villages would often pool their resources together to send a young person abroad for education, you know, to Russia, or Germany, the UK, or even the United States in cases. Back then, people knew how valuable that kind of education was, and I think it's just important today. And, well, I can hardly overstate how much studying abroad has shaped me as a person. And, well, I'm glad that we can today get to help more Bulgarians study in America and vice versa through programs like Fulbright, which is why I'm so honored to help that program in any way I can. I also think that it's important to note how much of that relationship in the latter half of the 19th century was the creation of those kinds of intellectual connections. Now, we already mentioned the foundation of the school that would become the American College of Sofia, which is still operating today. I know people who graduate from there and people who teach there. It's a great place. But just as important was the first formal U.S. university outside the United States, Robert College, which is today, I believe, Wazichi University. Founded in Constantinople in 1864 by New York-based merchant Christopher Robert, Robert College was a beacon for international education in the region. And eventually, four future Bulgarian prime ministers would graduate from Robert College. In fact, the Bulgarian students at Robert College were instrumental in getting word out about the suppression following the April uprising and helped convince major world powers to support greater Bulgarian autonomy. That's the power of educational and intellectual connections. From the American College in Sofia to the American University in Bulgaria, the importance of education between our two peoples is still very, very strong. And we foster those connections via a number of programs, including the Fulbright program, which sends dozens of Bulgarian students and scholars to the United States each year, and it brings Americans like you to Bulgaria to study and collaborate with experts here. And I personally know the importance of Fulbright because I'm a Fulbright Hayes uh, recipient, and I studied in Jordan. And it's these types of programs that really educate you about a country and a region, but also connect you. And that is how you can become a true bridge yeah. between the two nations. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't think this podcast would exist without Fulbright. I mean, I started it just after completing my Fulbright. That. And, you know, that. it's what put me in the position where uh, I had uh, everything ready to, to get this started. So now, speaking of Bulgarians going to the U.S., I think it's important to note that there's one early visit that had really outsized importance to the growing U.S.-Bulgarian relationship in the late 19th century, and that's Aleko Konstantinos' 1893 visit to the Chicago Exposition and his later publication of the travel narrative to Chicago and back, which is a fun read. I highly recommend it, and at least it's, it's widely available in English. I did once try to read his, uh, his more famous Baigano in Bulgarian, but that's a tough one. <laughs> I'll tell you, actually, we chose Baigonion uh, as the first book in our Women's Diplomatic Club here in Bulgaria. That was the first book that we chose to read yeah. uh, and to analyze because, as you say, uh, Aleko Konstantinov is, is just such an important author. Yeah. And the Chicago Columbian Exposition in 1893 was a watershed cultural event. So many modern gadgets that we take for granted were first introduced to the world at that fair, including the Ferris wheel, 
the electric range, radiators, electric fans, and the widespread use of these long-life light bulbs. Many nations had a display at the fair, including Bulgaria, and it was there that Bulgaria introduced Americans to my favorite Bulgarian rose oil and rakia. It's my husband's favorite. <laughs> but your point here is really, really important. Konstantinov's descriptions of his travels, those were one of the first times that Bulgarians could read a first-hand account of a visit to the United States. And in fact, it was so popular that many early Bulgarian immigrants chose Chicago as their new home. And even today, the Chicago area boasts the most Americans of Bulgarian descent. Yeah. I mean, I still remember right back in 2009, wandering the hills around Blagovka and seeing a, an old goat herder with his, with his flock and a, a Chicago hat. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so... Yeah, the, the Eastern and the Southeastern European influence that they added, uh, that kind of added to that part of the U.S. is remarkable. I mean, uh, I always talk about, like, at some point I, I wondered why I grew up eating a lot of Eastern European dishes despite having no Eastern Europeans anywhere in my family. At some point I realized oh, no. it's, yeah, because my parents are from <laughs> Chicago and Milwaukee. And like, oh, that's why we eat pierogies. It's, it's a, a strong one that's obviously spread to uh, even people outside of those cultures in the U.S. So... It was only about a decade after To Chicago and Back was published in 1903 that the United States established formal diplomatic relations with then Prince Ferdinand and the Bulgarian government. That formal recognition came after 1908 when Bulgaria declared its full independence and autonomy from the Ottoman Empire. And in, in fact, in 1915, the first ambassador to, from the United States rather took up residence in Sofia. In fact, Stefan Panoretov, the first Bulgarian ambassador to the U.S., was also a graduate of Robert University, kind of further showing the huge impact that that university had. You know, that was a tough time for the United States and for the world. World War I complicated our bilateral relationship, seen as we were on opposite sides of the conflict. But I think it's really important to note that the U.S. maintained a formal diplomatic relationship with Bulgaria throughout the war. And that is something unique among opposing sides. After the war, that continued relationship paid off. During the 1920s, there was an explosion of trade between our two countries, driven mainly by Bulgarian tobacco and my favorite, rose products. And the Rockefeller Foundation continued the tradition of people-to-people -people exchanges by funding the travel of 30 Bulgarian doctors to study in the United States. The American Red Cross also created a school for, for Bulgarian nurses, and the rise in commerce fueled U.S. investment, and in fact, it helped modernize the port at Varna. Yeah, a lot was really happening in the 1920s, and it's amazing to see how closely those connections really got despite the, the large geographic distances. So at this point, in about 100 years, we went from a few missionaries and educators traveling to Bulgaria all the way to this range of programs and investments. And America has been a growing trade partner with Bulgaria over the past century, but what does that relationship look like today? We work hard every day to continue expanding those trade relations. I spend a lot of time with, with companies. And in 2020, the total U.S.-Bulgaria trade in goods 
was more than one billion. And that's an increase of 183% over the past 10 years. And the U.S.-Bulgarian economic relationship is growing on the back of Bulgaria's talented, well-educated workforce. American companies in Bulgaria have created over 30,000 jobs. And that's just a small part of the intricate relationship our two economies share. And we're always working to make things even better. So as an example, we just signed a memorandum of understanding facilitating the creation of secure 5G networks in Bulgaria. And this is in the best interests of both Bulgarian and U.S. commerce. I mean, I've really noticed that that trade relationship has evolved. I've been here for most of those those last 10 years, and there's been a huge increase in U.S. companies and products since uh, I first lived here in 2009. I know since then, Sofia has seen a lot of <laughs> everything from American-inspired burger places and craft beer stores to just the fact that I can now get... Uh, Things like uh, corn chips and stuff, which 2009, not available at all. So it's been a, a big shift. And even on the other side, in the U.S., my family can now get real Bulgarian yogurt in their local supermarket, although they're still waiting for a proper Bulgarian restaurant for the D.C. area. There was one a long time ago that closed. but Hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully that'll come back. But now, you know, in the more than one century since Bulgaria and the U.S. established formal diplomatic ties, they did end up on opposite sides of a few conflicts, namely the Second World War and right. the Cold War, but they became NATO allies in 2004. So can you talk a bit about how the two countries' militaries have interacted since then? Yes. In fact, we just celebrated 17 years of Bulgaria being a member of NATO. So we've been building the U.S.-Bulgaria military partnership since 1993, when the Tennessee National Guard became the state partner of the Bulgarian land forces. And this program was the first time our militaries had interacted after the fall of the Iron Curtain. And through these cooperation events and training exercises, we helped prepare the Bulgarians for NATO. And they joined, as you know, in 2004. Since then, our cooperation has only increased with around 50 Bulgarian officers and non-commissioned uh, officers attending military education courses in the U.S. annually, and an increase in joint training in events and major exercises every year. In fact, the end of last year, I traveled uh, with the Minister of Defense to Washington, D.C. to sign the 10-year military modernization plan. Again, something that we are very, very proud of, a, a relationship that we believe is very strong and growing. Just this month, uh, March, the U.S. Army announced the start of Defender Europe 21. And this is a series of exercises across Europe. We've got 25 NATO allies and partners participating. Bulgaria will host parts of three major exercises during this period, making its largest role in hosting multinational forces. And most notably, Bulgaria has been a steadfast ally and they continue to support really crucial NATO missions in places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, and others. 
So I, I suppose Tennessee was a perfect choice for those early military uh, kind of joint exercises because it's almost the exact size of Bulgaria. So when I try to explain how big Bulgaria is to Americans, I usually just give Tennessee or Virginia my home state as examples. <laughs> yes. But I also know that those military connections between the U.S. and Bulgaria translated into some cultural connections. Uh, I've had the chance to spend time exploring Bulgarian historical sites with U.S. military personnel stationed in Bulgaria who are podcast listeners over the years. Yes. So it's been another fun way for Americans to come here and use their spare time on the weekends and things to explore that, uh, that culture. Yeah. So, of course, then it's been harder to do these things recently because of COVID-19. But that brings me to the next question. I mean, how has the U.S.-Bulgarian relationship had some impact on how Bulgaria has been handling the virus? You know, as I mentioned early in, in our discussion True partners look at how we face conflicts together. And that's exactly what we did during this COVID, unprecedented COVID pandemic. So we, we have several programs aimed at helping Bulgarians combat COVID-19. Uh, our United States Agency for International Development, USAID, for example, partnered with the Bulgarian Red Cross to distribute hygiene kits, educational materials for homeschooling, and to bolster counseling services across Bulgaria, because as, as we know, this is truly a um, uh, really important uh, aftermath of this, this pandemic. USAID has also been partnering with other local organizations to promote transparency in COVID, uh, both transparency in their procurement actions, to help protect vulnerable populations and to combat disinformation campaigns. We have also donated tens of thousands of test kits, PCR test kits and testing equipment. And we continue to do that. I'm really proud of two particular programs that I want to highlight. Last year, we started this United Against COVID-19 campaign, partnering with America for Bulgaria Foundation, the American Chamber of Commerce, and Bulgarian Donors Forum. And we raised and distributed 1 million leva for communities across Bulgaria. Then this year, we did a Healing Together campaign with America for Bulgaria Foundation, and we distributed 1 million US dollars worth of supplies to hospitals, medical centers in Bulgaria. So again, we realize we are stronger together. This has to be a joint effort. This pandemic doesn't have boundaries. We can only go forward if we deal with this pandemic together. And frankly, I know we're all looking forward to returning to a normal life again, and I hope that happens soon. Oh, yeah, me as well. <laughs> very, very eager to get back to normal. Uh, so I know that a lack of resources has been a huge challenge for a lot of hospitals and medical centers trying to combat the virus here. So it's good to hear that uh, the embassy, America for Bulgaria and other organizations have been helping out. Uh, so coming back to the idea of those kind of people to people relationships, which is where our conversation started. I understand that the United States is also investing heavily in programs to promote education and culture. One example I've been excited to go visit, uh, COVID's kind of made traveling not happen much, is the Bishop's Basilica in Plovdiv, which was sponsored by the America for Bulgaria Foundation. And so are there other programs that our listeners might be interested to learn more about, particularly 
uh, with, I know, cases like that, taking Bulgarian historical sites and making them a little more accessible. Often there's not a whole lot of information at those sites, so it's good to see a little more investment going into them. So yes, we have many. In fact, in any given year, the embassy supports hundreds of Bulgarians in different types of exchanges to the United States, as we mentioned, Fulbright. Then there's the Humphrey program for scholars and professionals. There's the summer work and travel program, which is so popular, uh, waiting for COVID to pass, and then we can resume that in full again. But the summer work and travel uh, for university-age students, the YES program for high schoolers, we have English language training for school teachers. You know, we also work with museums. And as, as I mentioned before, these historic sites to preserve and protect Bulgaria's cultural heritage. And we've invested more than one million in these efforts since 2002. Most recently, we're uh, working on the Svestari tomb, and we've invested 150000 as part of the Ambassador's Fund for Cultural Preservation. So again, we've, we've got more information on some of these efforts in this video that you'll find on our, our Facebook site. Another program that I'm very proud of is our Academy of Women Entrepreneurs. This is something we also just started. Uh, we're now up to three sites. So we've got one in Burgas and Sofia, and uh, the latest is in Dobrich. And what we do with this academy is we gather young women who are looking to either start or expand their own businesses and then give them training and support and some seed money to help grow their businesses. In fact, just this weekend, I participated in the graduation of the Academy of Women Entrepreneurs program uh, in the uh, uh, new Bulgaria University in Sofia. And, oh, it just touched my heart to see how excited these women are after receiving this training and how excited they are to go forward with their uh, businesses. We connect these women to local U.S.-based businesses. And all of this, you know, these are just some of the ways that we're working to deepen the connection between Bulgarians and Americans. It's, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, uh, having worked in startups and, and been in that environment here, I've seen the impact those kinds of training programs have had. It's really been a lot. And then in addition, the, uh, the work and travel program. My wife spent two summers in the U.S. and tons of my friends from AUBG did. And I know like they, they learned a lot and it's really formative. And it's rather fun that my wife could shock my family by saying she's, <laughs> she spent a summer in the Outer Banks. And they're, really? <laughs> so, but also, you know, as someone who obviously has started a blended Bulgarian-American family, you know, I, I like to see these kinds of things because I really think very deeply that there's so much both cultures can teach each other. And, you know, for me, I'm glad to see more chances of that happening. And that's kind of how I try to live my life and, and with our family, to find the best of both those cultures and put them together into something that's even better. So, yeah, all, all that's great to see. And I'm, I'm excited for all those kinds of programs to continue and keep uh, having a positive impact. Now, finally, what do you think has been the, the most important kind of few things that you've learned in your time here in Bulgaria? I mean, I guess it's been about two years or so. So I have learned the most about the pride that Bulgarians have for their culture, their history. I've learned a lot about Bulgarian generosity, 
Um, and truly, I have been blessed to share so much of that with the Bulgarian people, their culture and their history. I'm going to give you a story. Early in, in my time here, I was traveling uh, around Sleven, and a woman came up to me, and she had heard me speak some Bulgarian. Uh, and so she had a book that she had written, a children's book, and it was about Baba Marta. And she gave me a copy of her book because she wanted me to read that to my two girls. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And I could, I could just see in her eyes how excited she was about the fact that it's a book in Bulgarian that I would be reading to my girls. I was touched by that gesture. I will never forget it. And I will always remember this sense of hospitality and generosity. And I experience this in all the places I go around Bulgaria. I have been welcomed here. I have, I definitely feel at home. I know my family feels at home. And I always say that I know Bulgaria's official population is 7 million, but they can make it 7 million and one. And that one is me. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I can certainly relate. Ironically enough, I just recently bought uh, an English language version of the Baba Marta story that was actually published by an American living here in English as a gift for my one-year-old niece. Uh, we're about to see, fly to the know. U.S. for her first birthday, and so I'm hoping my brother and my sister-in-law will be reading her the Baba Marta story uh, when she's gift. a little older as well. So, yeah, that, that, that one hit me as well. That's a perfect so, gift. Yeah, thank you so much, Ambassador Mustafa, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Eric. It's truly been an honor for me, and thank you again for all the work that you do to connect our two nations and our two peoples. Thank you.